Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, we begin a brand new series that will reveal what it's really like to be a shepherd in the 21st century. Friends, I want to encourage you to visit our website, swrc.com. There, you'll find the latest headlines from the End Times video with Dr. Larry Spargimino, our latest Watchmen on the Wall programs, and timely articles that will inform and strengthen your faith. And of course, our extensive archive of past programs and the Resource Center filled with over 1,000 books and DVDs. SWRC.com. Check it out today. SWRC.com. We often quote Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. But what does this mean in our 21st century life? Didn't shepherds live only in Bible times? I mean, really, how many shepherds have you met recently? Well, today, we're going to meet a current-day shepherd and learn when Scripture refers to a shepherd what the real-world application is in our lives. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These are the words of Psalm 23, and we love these words because it reminds us of the great God that we serve. And we have a unique program today and tomorrow for you with a shepherd. Yes, that's right, a real-life shepherd. Her name is Vonnie Pratt. Vonnie, we are so glad to have you on Watchmen on the Wall today. Oh, thank you. It's a thrill to be here. Thank you. Now, you have a unique role. You've written a, a book, and we're going to talk some more about that. But you have become a shepherd, and that taught you so many valuable spiritual lessons about God, not just Psalm 23, but all across the Scriptures. And friends who are listening, we're going to dive into that. So you want to stay tuned today and tomorrow to hear all the wonderful truths about how that our good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, is like a faithful shepherd here on this earth. And the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd is so many valuable lessons we're going to hear from Vani. And Vani, why don't you just tell us a little bit about how did you become a shepherd? <laughs> well, about 19 years ago, my husband and I moved from city suburbs to the country. And when we found this acreage, we uh, we saw it had a house, had bare landscape, and had woods with lots of underbrush. And we claimed Proverbs 16.3, Commit your way to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Mm-hmm. And we just wanted the Lord's vision on this property. What was he going to do with it? <clears throat> we knew that we needed to clear it. We needed to put some fencing up. So we thought, well, let's get some goats so that we can start taking care of the underbrush. <clears throat> So I stopped at a fencing store and talked to them about what I needed. And the clerk said, well, why, why do you want fencing? 
I said, well, we've got goat. We need to get some goats to clear the land. She said, why not sheep? And I, you know, I'd never considered sheep. I actually grew up in the country uh, with horses, but I didn't know anything about other livestock. As I drove away from the store, I once again claimed Proverbs 16.3, and I said, Lord, this is your land. You guide us. I knew any critter on our farm needed to help earn its own keep, and I thought of the benefit of having lambs and selling lambs, selling fleece, uh, uh, learning to spin fleece. And within a short time, we were the owners of our first small flock of sheep. Hmm. And on the first day of owning sheep, I said, Lord, I just want to understand, what does it mean to have a great shepherd? And oh my, the lessons he has taught me of his tender compassion and his tireless faithfulness have just been amazing. Amen. And we're going to hear some of those special lessons that you've learned. You've got a lot of wonderful stories, personal stories of your relationship with your sheep and how that relates to our relationship with our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. One of the first things you talk about right out of the gate is the heart of a shepherd. Can you describe what's the attitude, the mindset, the heart of the good shepherd? Well, I have to say Shortly after we got sheep, my husband and I bought a book called While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks by Dr. Timothy Laniak. And it's given me some realistic insight into the life of a shepherd. Dr. Laniak traveled to Israel to interview Middle Eastern shepherds. And he said to them, what does it take to be a shepherd? Well, he heard responses like, oh, you have to grow up in a shepherding family and then the business is handed down to you. But his most memorable response was from a shepherd who said, what really matters is that you have a heart for it. Mm -hmm. And this shepherd went on to say that his own sons didn't even have a heart for this work, so they didn't deserve his business. He said he would sell the flocks to someone else before he would let his sheep go to those who didn't care for them. I love that God promised Israel through Jeremiah that he would give them shepherds after, my, after his own heart. Yes. And then, of course, he sent Jesus, who came in the flesh, showing his compassion as a shepherd. And when I see Jesus' heart and sacrificial love for me, I, I have a better understanding of what it means to be a shepherd. Mm. That's so true. Why is it important that sheep understand and know the voice of the shepherd? Well, on day one of sheep ownership, I discovered that sheep indeed are natural followers. Mm. They're defenseless animals. They don't bite. They don't kick. So if a predator comes into our pasture, sheep run. That's all they can do. Uh, They understand that they're prey animals. They understand they need protection. And so a sheep will trust and follow the one who cares for them. We've had friends come over and stand at our gate, and they'll call our sheep by name, and, you know, the sheep won't even lift their heads to acknowledge them. Wow. But, but if Larry, my husband, or I walk outside and, and, and say something, our sheep's heads pop up, and they look right at us and call to us mm. because we're the shepherds. <laughs> um, I love John 10, 4 and 5. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. 
So why is it important to know the shepherd's voice? Um, it's because sheep are followers, and they need to know which voice to follow. And that's so true of us as well. And uh, I hope that we can mm-hmm. get an, an ear for our shepherd's voice so that we mm-hmm. know to follow him. Uh, yes. We, We're visiting with Vonnie Pratt. She's the author of a wonderful resource, a book called From This Shepherd's Heart. She shares a series of her personal stories and lessons that she has learned while tending her flock of sheep and relates that to how we can relate to our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's such a wonderful book. It's a series of of short stories and of devotional thoughts, and it would be a wonderful resource, I believe, for pastors looking for sermon illustrations, for Sunday school teachers, and many, many other applications. It's a wonderful book just to encourage your heart and remind you of the Good Shepherd who loves you and who is guiding us as we read out of Psalm 23. You can pick up a copy of this book from This Shepherd's Heart by calling us at 1-800-652-1144 or visit us online at swrc.com. If you'd like to connect with Vonnie, her husband Larry, and their ministry, you can go to countryloveministries.com. That's countryloveministries.com. Vonnie, one of the things that I've heard even preachers say from the pulpit and uh, other Bible lessons that they're trying to make is that Sheep are stupid. Is that true? (laughs) Oh, we've heard that so many times, yes. Some people call them stupid. We call them simple. Mm. Uh, They they simply follow the shepherd. You know, you don't want to change their routine. They need a schedule or they'll get confused. Mm. Um, We move slowly around them. We speak softly to them and, and they manage well. What I find amazing is they may be simple critters, but they know they need a shepherd. You know, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I yes. don't always remember that I need my great shepherd. Right. The sheep quietly and simply follow, and boy, I just want to be more like them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the sheep are not stupid. They're simple. That's a, a wonderful answer. And uh, I'm glad that you said that and made that distinction because that leads us to the next question. What's the significance of naming your sheep? (laughs) Well, when a lamb is born on our farm, we give it an ear tag that has a number on it, and that signifies they're ours. It shows ownership and that we, we will provide for them, we're responsible for them. But we've also chosen to give them names, because a name shows worth, shows Mm -hmm. significance. It shows they have an identity, and even more importantly, it shows we have a relationship with them. And I found it interesting, when I was working in the public schools, I would walk in the hallways and watch the students. I would see students that are with big groups, and they're laughing and joking, And then I would see the others who walked with their heads down alone. These kids didn't belong to a group. And the eyes of these kids showed loneliness and hurt. Mm. My heart ached for them. (laughs) I, I just wanted to tell them how much God loved them. But being in a public school, I didn't have the freedom. 
I prayed for these students, and the Lord prompted me to learn their names. It was a a large school, but I worked on memorizing as many names as I could. And then when these students would pass me by, I would greet them by name. I would say, good morning, and say their name. And as time went on, these lonely kids would start to slow their pace as they passed me because they were looking me in the eye, waiting to hear me say their name. I was going to move on, and so I was resigning from this position. Mm-hmm. And the staff gave me a going-away party. And at that party, they gave me a little colorful box, and inside were all these post-it notes that students had written to me. When I got home, I started reading through them, and uh, I smiled as I thought of the memories of these sweet kids. Yes. But several of the notes that I read put a lump in my throat <laughs> mm-hmm. as I read she knew my name. Mm, wow. You know, to call someone by name gives them worth. It gives them significance, identity. But more than that, it shows I have a relationship with them. And there's days that I feel like some of these students. Mm-hmm. I deal with loneliness and hurt. We all do. Yes. But I'm comforted when Jesus shows me I have worth. I have significance, I have identity, I have a relationship with him. And I know this because his word says in Isaiah 43, 1, I have called you by name, you are mine. Mm. Wouldn't you love that? Yes, yes. (laughs) That is absolutely wonderful. And I was thinking about Mm -hmm. Isaiah while you were talking about that. And uh, not just the verse that you quoted, but there's another passage in Isaiah where he talks about how that God has a, a name for all the stars. Science can't mm. even figure out how the number of the stars, we, we at best can guess, and it's a number that's too astronomical for me to wrap my simple yeah. mind around, but yeah. uh, God has a name for every single star, and it says that he calls them all by names, yeah. and we see that he loves us even more then he does the stars, and he has yes. such a, a great sense of worth for each one of us. That's a remarkable, mm-hmm. remarkable truth. And I also think about what Peter said when he said that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that word peculiar it doesn't mean strange or weird or different. But, it, <laughs> you know, for some Christians, I think that applies. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what it really means is that exactly what you're saying, that sense of worth, and that we are worth something because we belong to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's like an old beat-up guitar that sold at auction for over a million dollars. It wasn't because yeah. the guitar <laughs> was worth that much. It was because who it belonged to gave it its value. Yeah. It was a famous mm-hmm. rock musician of years gone by that had owned that particular <laughs> guitar. And so our sense of worth comes from who we belong to, and we belong to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. And so we have great worth and great value in His sight, not because of us, but because of that relationship that we have with Him. I'm so grateful that we have such a good shepherd. Friends, we're visiting with author Vonnie Pratt. She's written a wonderful book, From This Shepherd's Heart. And you can pick up a copy by calling our ministry at 1-800-652-1144 or visit us online at swrc.com. 
Now to change gears just slightly, Vonnie, is we talk about something that's not so warm and fuzzy. Sometimes <laughs> sheep reveal the selfish side of humanity. How can sheep be selfish? And that's, that's a tongue twister for me to get that one out. <laughs> well, yes, I, amen, yeah. <laughs> Watching them at feeding time is a good illustration of human nature. <laughs> mm. um, we will fill their grain cans and their feeding troughs prior to allowing them into the stall, and then we open the gate. And the flurry and the chaos of 150-plus-pound woolly bodies shoving each other out of the way to get more food than the next is a pretty dangerous environment. Yes. <laughs> Their focus is truly on self, whatever they can eat before someone else gets it. Uh, we've learned to stay out of the stalls during that time. I'm sure. <laughs> um, they are greedy, ungrateful, heartless, egocentric, uncaring, and sadly, it looks just like my old nature. Mm-hmm. It's been amazing what the Lord has taught me. Um, there have been dark early mornings with downpouring rain, uh, especially in our area. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I've, I've looked outside and woke up early, heard the downpouring rain on the roof, and my first thought was, oh, are, they, are the sheep okay? I'd run to the window, and one particular morning I saw their roof had caved in on their shelter. So I needed to get out there and move them to a dry shelter. As I'm leaving the warm house to go out there, I, I hear them calling to me. And their cries indicated their fear was a cry for help. Mm. Uh, there have been times at night when I'll, I'll hear a dog barking, maybe in the distance, but I'm not sure how close. And, and so I'll... I'll turn the barn lights on and get out there late at night, making sure everybody's okay. Once I get inside their shelter, it's interesting. They all crowd around me, get as close as they can. They look up to me. They call to me because they trust their shepherd to provide for them. Mm-hmm. And then I think of Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is the righteous run to it and are safe. I love that. Yes. Um, a shepherd's role is to recognize their sheep's need and then care for it. And I have a tender shepherd who knows me better than I know myself, and I can run to him for safety. Amen. Well, Vonnie, we've enjoyed visiting with you today. And friends, we've got another program lined up tomorrow with some more lessons that we can learn from the heart of a shepherd. You don't want to miss it. Bonnie, I look forward to talking to you again on tomorrow's program. Thank you. I do too. We'll have more from Bonnie Pratt on our next program. You know, we often quote Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, right? But what does that mean in our 21st century life? David, a shepherd boy, wrote Psalm 23. So how does this apply to you and me? What is a shepherd? A farmer who has a flock of sheep, right? Well, not exactly. According to a Middle Eastern shepherd, one must have a heart for it. Shepherds love and care for their sheep day and night. Shepherds guard and protect in sunshine and thunderstorms. Shepherds never desert their sheep, ever. Journey into the pasture as you read from this shepherd's heart. You'll gain a new understanding of what it means to be a shepherd, what it means to be a sheep, and what it means to belong to the gentle shepherd, Jesus, the one who states, 
I will never leave you. From This Shepherd's Heart by Vonnie Pratt is available right now when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order the book From This Shepherd's Heart at our website, swrc.com. Clayton Van Huss is here now to share a preview of an important Bible prophecy that many overlook. Hello, I'm Clayton Van Huss, and I'm excited to be with you today on the Watchman on the Wall program. And I want to talk to you about an exciting new branch of the ministry that's coming. Southwest Radio Ministries is beginning a branch that deals with apologetics. What are apologetics? Apologetics is having a case. It comes from the Greek word apologia. And uh, what that is, is having um, a case, uh, like a court case. When we are told by Peter to have an apology, when we are told to have a reason for the faith within us, we are to have an answer. We are also told in the book of Romans that the unbeliever does not have an apology. He does not have a case, like a court case. So a firm will be dealing with apologetics. Now, my background is in archaeology, and archaeology is a great form of apologetics because we're digging in the ground in Israel, and we are finding all sorts of interesting artifacts or just different uh, evidences at the sites for the biblical history of Israel. Now, do we need archaeology or any other form of apologetics to prove that the Bible is right? No, we don't. The Bible stands on its own. With archaeology, you will never prove the miracles or the supernatural background of the Bible. I have a professor who is very fond of saying, I can prove to you maybe that Jesus existed and was crucified, but I cannot prove to you that he died and rose again for your sins. You see, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit will step in and he will convict. He will be the one who leads you to that point of repentance and salvation. So I want to share just a small tidbit with you today of the sorts of things that you can look forward to. And this will be presented at our Columbus Conference. The conference will be October 26th through the 28th. That's Thursday through Saturday. And that is our Clarity to the Chaos Bible Prophecy Conference. And so we're going to be talking about an Old Testament prophecy. And uh, it has some archaeological support as well. So this is fascinating stuff. And, of course, the, the prophecy that I'm talking about is the prophecy in Numbers 24, 17. That is the prophecy that Balaam, the wicked prophet, made over the children of Israel. If you're like most Christians, what you understand about Balaam, you've heard his story. He's the guy who had the donkey that talked. And that's what we remember. That's an exciting thing, right? I mean, talking donkeys, there, there's no such thing. But here in the Bible, we do read about one that God opened the mouth of the donkey. And of course, I believe that God himself spoke through the donkey. But the donkey would not move because the angel of the Lord was in the path to block Balaam from, from going forward. And so when we think of him, that's what we think about. Our takeaway of Balaam is a talking donkey. It's like reading the book of Jonah. Oftentimes, we focus 
on the whale, the great fish that swallowed Jonah. And that's all we walk away from is a neat little story. But there's so much more to it. If you stop there in Jonah, you miss the whole point of the book. So it's the same thing with the prophecy of Balaam. If we just stop at the talking donkey, then (laughs) what have we got? We've got a neat little story, and it's interesting, but there is much, much more. First of all, we do have evidence of Balaam in the archaeological record. Most people don't realize this. There is an inscription that was found in the nation of Jordan back several years ago, and this inscription is called uh, the Book of Balaam, son of Beor, because that's how it starts. And in the inscription, we read about this prophet Balaam, the same Balaam who was in the book of Numbers. We read about him cursing people in the names of various pagan gods. And that is very interesting because in the Bible, what is he called to do? Balak, king of Moab, which is modern-day Jordan, the southern part there by the Dead Sea, he called for Balaam to come down and to curse the Israelites through the name of their God, Yahweh. And he did, well, he came down to do it. He did commune with the God of the Israelites. And that's a very interesting piece of the story. But what is fascinating is he made a prophecy. He didn't just bless Israel. He stood on Mount Peor, right next to Mount Nebo, where Moses would die later. And he stood on Mount Peor. He looked down at a site, the city of Shittim. That's where the Israelites were camped. And he looked down and he saw them, and he said, I see him, but he's, he's far away. I see him, but not now. Out of Jacob will come a star and a scepter, and the scepter will smash the forehead of Moab and the sons of Sheth. So we're not sure exactly who the sons of Sheth were. It's possible that the word means tumult, or it could be a name, and the name, of course, is the name of the son of Adam. Seth. So it could be that this scepter will stand against humanity. I'm not sure that that's the best interpretation of that, but the idea is that there will come out of Israel a star and a scepter. And a scepter is understood. We understand what that is. That's um, in our society, we see a rod, usually with a lot of jewels on it and that sort of thing that a king holds. But in the time of the Bible, a scepter was more. A scepter was a weapon. It was a mace. So that was pretty exciting. The star, I'm going to tease you here because you need to come to the conference to hear what happens, what the star is. But the star is often overlooked as to the actual meaning of what it means to be a star. The scepter we understand as a king, the star is something else. And I really want to share that with you at the Columbus, Ohio conference on October 26th through the 28th. Let me invite you to journey into the pasture as you read the book From This Shepherd's Heart by Vonnie Pratt. You'll gain a new understanding of what it means to be a shepherd, what it means to be a sheep, and what it means to belong to the gentle shepherd, Jesus. From This Shepherd's Heart by Vonnie Pratt is available for you when you call one 800 652 1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order from The Shepherd's Heart at our website, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Vani will return with more insight into The Shepherd's Heart. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by visiting oneplace.com. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.